It is Dumb Guy Live, February 6th, 2024. We got P here. We got Jamie here. Murph will be joining us later. He's doing college things. He's taking an exam on some dumb shit, you know, just some dumb, like, idiot, like, college shit or whatever. But, Jamie, Jamie, how you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. Um, it's going to be a pretty big, pretty big week for the podcast. Obviously, we've got quite a lot of big news. The, the thing we'll get into immediately kind of trumps everything else, and that's why we'll start with it. But um, in terms of the actual kind of wrestling news, um, it, it has been another big week of uh, newsworthy stuff in Japan. So it should be a very interesting one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm glad to, I'm glad to see everybody in the comments. Oh, we already 37 viewers. On John doing his his little song as always. Dumb guy, how you get so fly? Got Overlord Dan, got Shaw. We got IDE. IDK might be our loyal, our most loyal, our yeah. pretty loyal people. IDK like we got like, a lot of regulars. You know. we, we got a quite a loyal. Yeah, we got we got regulars. regulars. Our most dumb six is one of our most regulars. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah yeah yeah. Cookie saying hello lads. Hello. Icons, icons, super OG, not even home. But I know, I, I love that. Now, I had to tune in for the best pro podcast. Trav's, Trav's doing bits already. Trav's having a, a cheeky, a cheeky, having a cheeky laugh at, uh, at, at Rossi's expense. Well, we, we, a lot. Oh, yeah. On this show. Uh, minutes though, at the start. Uh, ever, the goal you know never talk about on a you know content creation right Mm -hmm. and i I wouldn't blame anybody for really want to go over this but on sunday night our time at least my time at least it was revealed uh by actress girls that the the wrestler asahi uh, had passed away due to what they described as accident it's pretty Mm -hmm. common from what i understand and the realization of me but in Japan to not reveal a cause of death or anything like that. So um, we just know unexpected accident, but regardless of the circumstances around us, you know, Asahi's passing, um, I really wanted to talk about this namely because at one time she was my favorite wrestler (laughs) in the whole world. And uh, it made me really, you know, of course, it made me really sad. Of course, we were live, um, and I my connection's going out, so hopefully it's not too bad for y'all. But we were live when the news broke that that Jay Briscoe passed mm-hmm. away, and I was so proud of Murph on that pod. I thought he was so great about establishing. He immediately went into. He was so respectful. Remembered him well. Sent out his well wishes to jay's family and everything like that and if i can if i can get across that same sentiment here on this pod that's that's the goal so jamie if you'll forgive me i'm gonna just talk for a bit go for it man. and and i'll and i'll throw it over and i'll throw it over to you when uh when appropriate or maybe i'll <laughs> maybe i'll have to yeah. at a certain <laughs> point but um i'm just gonna give people a, a history of asahi's career she um debuted in ice ribbon she uh is and i actually want to pull up her cage match because she was she has she had kind of a unique path she was only 21 which is a horribly early age 
to pass away. Not that far off from Hanakamura's age when she passed away, of course. Hopefully, you know, ostensibly under different circumstances. But I think a big indicator of just how high people thought Asahi's heights were going to go in her career was that she debuted in a singles match in Corican Hall against Manami Toyota. All right. What, who, who I would say is the consensus greatest women's wrestler of all time. Mm-hmm. I always had that as a bit of pride as an Ice Ribbon fan, that the one promotion, the one promotion that she really steam, seemed to identify with post-retirement for her was Ice Ribbon Pro Wrestling. And for one of Manami Toyota's last last matches, competitor, right? Is her, I believe, second ribbon match in 2017. By the way, Asahi's only 16 in this match. So, like, Ice Ribbon, they know how to scout talent. Mm-hmm. And Asahi's her. She had a strong start to her career. She wrestled all throughout 2018. And then, interestingly, uh, once the pandemic hit, she wrestled for a little bit, like in August. When- back up just a little bit but then she took like a f- of wrestling and i don't know if it was studies i don't know exactly why she took that year off but when she came back it was in like the heat of my ice ribbon fandom like i was so into the promotion more than i'd ever been and my favorite wrestler for ice ribbon at the time was sakushi haruka who uh was a longtime world champion, another wrestler who debuted as a young teenager. She debuted actually, I think when she was like 11 or something like that, just crazy. Another wrestler who was co-signed by Manami Toyota as a great wrestler. And Sakushi Haruka championship the next year. Um, and you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm loving this Asahi, you know, she's good. She's got, she's got someone who matches her, you know, she's a couple years behind her, but in Kaho Matsushita, there's they got this great young core with Ibuki Hoshi as well. It's just a great group of young wrestlers that just make every card great when you combine them with the veterans like Sakushi and Sakasa Fujimoto. And this is the tail end of Suzu Suzuki's time there. And there's Yuki Mashiro in the promotion as well. It's just like, you look back at the talent and it's just preposterous how much talent this, this indie had right and if in i think may 2022 that sounds right to me yes may 2022 sakushi haruka at the age of 25 i believe retires she announces her retirement at age 25 super young time to wrestler but as we talked about in the himeka show anytime a wrestler can go out on their own terms is uh is good as far as mm-hmm. working and as we know, Ice Ribbon is very wrestler-run, and the wrestlers have a lot of say in booking and storylines and everything like that. And it is not a coincidence that at the Yokohama Budokan, Sakushi Haruka's hand-picked choice to be the final... She was the champion. She was the Ice Cross Infinity champion at the time. Her choice to defend the title at the Yokohama Budokan, the largest venue Ice Ribbon has run since, was Asahi. That was her opponent. Now, Asahi didn't win that match, and I was mad at the time because she was my favorite wrestler. And I'm like, I love this Asahi, and how perfect would it be if she wins the title from Sakushi? You'd have a star on your hands, mm-hmm. right? I didn't do that. 
I'm not sure exactly why, even in hindsight, but um, as soon as she lost that match, I was all in on the chase. Like, I'm like, Asahi, she's going to win this title at some matter of time. And I just loved her uh, as a wrestler. She, she, as a performer, was so great at just evoking emotion. She was very much, she was very much subscribed to the Tsukasa Fujimoto style of crowd engagement where she's incredibly likable to the fans so well mm -hmm. and she's able to incorporate comedy and humor into her matches in a way that's not like corny in a way that's not that's not a turn off but it's like oh that's fun you know what i mean she's able to be heelish able to get pissed off and like frustrated and it, but in a likable way it's like oh i want to see that i want to see this girl succeed so yeah my favorite wrestler and my favorite promotion um uh, unfortunately things didn't quite work out the way uh i wanted him to in ice ribbon for asahi she did end up challenging for the ice cross infinity championship at ribbon mania which is historically ice ribbon's second biggest or biggest show of the year in a in a fantastic match against soriano and uh after that she was always plagued by these by these moments of I'm trying to think of how to put this. She wore her heart on her sleeve. She was very active on Twitter. She would talk about her feelings all the time. She would, it, and then she would tweet these refrains of like, "I love pro wrestling. Pro wrestling is great." And it was almost like Vince herself that she loved pro wrestling occasionally. But we get to the end uh, after that match against Dono, and we get into 2023, and she's doing some complaining about Ice Ribbon, and she ends up going to uh, to Actress Girl. She they 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 say ostensibly, but we knew the writing was you know the writing was on the wall. She's not coming back to Ice Ribbon. There have been there have been uh, relationships that that were that were not mended, um, and to be honest. I was like, you know what? I'm not an I, I'm not an actress girls fan. It's not my cup of tea. Hopefully, she finds another path into a promotion that I am a big fan of. Be her again. I was content letting her take her path to be wherever it ended up being. And now we're left with a lot of questions on what could have been, what would have been, but ultimately those questions come secondary to the fact that. There was a wrestler who was incredibly young, again, only 21 years old, beloved by a lot of people, who is now gone. And I don't know that the circumstances necessarily matter, but I guess all I can say is uh, what made me the most, what, made, what was a, a bit of a shining light in, in a very dark time was I've had multiple people tell me that the reason they became a sock because I promoted her so much in 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 my you know in my content creation and stuff like that because I felt like she deserved it and I and I still believe that um, we talk about all the time right we we sort of rag on wrestlers like you know Mirai or whoever right mm -hmm. who were like you know what they're technically sound but for whatever reason we don't care you know what i mean like david yeah. finley we joke about people like that right there's 
and this is the the ethos of beast of the week who are able to evoke emotions out of us right we we don't just walk watch because we feel like we're obligated to we watch because we love wrestling and wrestling is at its best when it evokes an emotion out of us and for asahi to wrestle in front of 40 people at the ice ribbon dojo all the way at the yokohama budokan she was such a star she was such a star and so i'm very sad for her family, for her friends, for anybody in wrestling who knew her. I'm sure there are a lot. I'm sure the the actress girls locker room is going through it. They say they're going to do a show, I think, the 21st. I'm, I'll be interested to see what they end up doing. I'm sure they'll treat, treat it with care and respect. I have no doubts on that. I'm sure that the Ice Ribbon people are going through a lot of com- conflicted emotions right now. Yappy, to her credit, has been so kind on Twitter and so open about how great of a person has Asahi was outside of the um outs, outside of you know what you see you know she portrayed herself well but a lot of wrestlers mm-hmm. portray herself well so to get those stories from Yappy meant a lot um and it's just it's a very unique thing when Jay Briscoe passed away when Brody Lee passed away when Bray Wyatt passed away when even Hanakamara passed away there were they were all so universally beloved right yeah. or at least known right in a way that was like you can understand the wrestling community coming together mm-hmm. this one is different she wrestled for two small joshi indies in her career and so it feels a lot more personal as somebody who is a pig fan of one of those joshi indies and and her in particular and so I just have to say, you know, our Portuguese friend po- like posting here. This this is what like this makes this cheers me up. This makes me feel better. Remember checking out that Asahi versus Sari match because of because of me and like thinking, damn, this girl is great, right? I mean, that's like that's why you share. Like we we post about wrestling and we talk about wrestling because we want to share the great feelings mm-hmm. that we I mean, felt yeah. about our messages about matches, right? And we want other people to feel that way because it's a great feeling. And because we have this weird thing, wrestling doesn't make sense as like an art form. It's stupid, right? It's fake fighting. Why don't we watch real fights? MMA exists, right? Or why don't we watch action movies? They have higher production values and better stories. That great thing between each other, and I think. I think Asahi is is a great microcosm of that, um, and I'll and I'll ask you if you have anything to add. But well, you know what? I'm actually any input. I know you. Few people are are ice ribbon fans in, t- <laughs> but just any anything to add. I know you did see at least a couple of her match. Mm-hmm. Anything anything to add? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I'll say that I think that was incredibly kind of. Um, well put together kind of summary of her career and why she was so special to you. I think you did absolutely amazing job when you told me that you were just going to kind of take the lead there. I had absolutely no no issues with that because I knew you're the absolute best man for the job to do that. Um, so, you know, well done on, on doing that because I know obviously how much you meant to you. Um, the way I came across, came across Asahi as, uh, you know, evidently a lot of people in the chat here did, as I mentioned to you before you went live, was was through, through you. Um, when we started the podcast, I wasn't exactly like a, 
a huge ice cream fan at the time, as as, as you just mentioned. Um, I, I was aware of a lot of the people there, but I wasn't kind of following the the product closely. So when we started the podcast and you told me about your favorite wrestler there being Asahi, um, I decided to check out when uh, the Ruben Mania main event, as you mentioned, 2022, uh, against Soriano. And um, I, I understood it straight away, you know, you know why why she was your favorite wrestler, why she's um, so many people's favorite wrestler, you know, has kind of had an impact on so many people's wrestling fandoms. You know, just such a, such a lovable character, um, you know, and great in-ring work to go with it as well. She was kind of like the, the perfect baby face for them in there. Um, just infectious, lovable charisma. Um, and seeing the reactions um, and the comments from people who who uh, worked with her, who knew her, and even just outside, seemingly that translated to Asahi uh, as, you know, the actual person outside of the ring. Like you say, though, she wore, she wore her heart on her sleeve. So, um you know, that's, that's kind of understandable to see, you know, uh, she was such a lovable character for everyone who met her. And um, when we, you know, um, unfortunately, we've we've kind of had to lose wrestlers. We, we, we've lost wrestlers, you know, way too young, um, too many times in the last couple of years. When we, I feel like I've we've been live on podcasts talking about these things a lot more than I would have liked to when, when we started these things. It's always very, very tragic. And, you know, 21 years old is incredibly young, way too young to go um so it's it's a really really tough one to cover but i think you did absolutely exceptional job it was interesting for me to hear as again as i said i wasn't super familiar with large portions of her career um and it's one of those things again when when these things happen unfortunately um these are periods when you know uh asahi asahi's career will now have a lot more attention than it ever would have done and for the talent that she was it would have been so nice for it to have that attention while she was still here. Of course, we all wish she, she was still here. But, but um, I think you can also take, you know, a, a positive in the fact that um, as as tragic as this situation now is, I think a lot more people are going to um, make themselves familiar with Asahi and hopefully that, um, you know, her career um, will have that same positive impact as it did for the people who were there and, and experienced it live like yourself. Um, so that, that, that's that's my thoughts on it. It's again, it's an incredibly tragic situation. The first person I thought about when I saw it was was yourself, and I, I, and I reached out to make sure you were all good. But it's it's incredibly tough. So anyone who's who's familiar with with Asahi's career, and even people who are just kind of coming across it now, it's it's incredibly tough thing to do. You know, you've always got to, you know, the, the, these things remind us. You know, make sure you tell the people that you love that you love them. You never know when these things are going to happen. Um, and yeah, that, that those are my thoughts on it. I appreciate that, Jamie. A, a couple things, and then we can then we can get to get to the pod proper. I'll say, um, I really love this comment from Scarecrow. I was I was talking about how she wore her heart on her sleeve, and you kind of mentioned that just now too. Always thought it was admirable how open she was and the way she interacted with fans. Often breaking the usual pro Twitter protocol and actually replying to people. Right, like. She was so open. She she would just she'd post about anything. She'd reply to people. She'd talk to people. Um, it, it was just very unique among, especially Joshi wrestlers. Where, you know, if we're being if we're being real, that the, the Joshi fandom can sometimes be toxic and problematic. And uh, that's a generalization, of course. Most people aren't like that. But um, for her to go above and beyond and do that, I re I remember when Sakushi retired. Asahi was announced as like 
for a while, literally, if you wanted to buy ice ribbon tickets, you had to DM Asahi on Twitter and be like, and be like, hey, how do I buy tickets? <laughs> it was like at 19. So they're like, they obviously just had the biggest plans. And of course, I'm sure yeah. some personal stuff didn't quite work out. And I'm sure everybody had their reasons for whatever that was. But um, along the lines of what Scarecrow is saying, I have to say that just about everybody I've seen has been incredibly uh, has been incredibly respectful of it. I have seen practically nobody, you know, exploiting this this situation for to like make some grander statement or to you know for engagement on Twitter or something like that. And, and I really appreciate that because I think people on Twitter and stuff they're so quick to hit post. They're so quick to like have a take or an opinion on something. Opinion. It's more often better to not on, on things like this. Um, and so I, I've just been very impressed with people. My closing thought I'm so sad that a 21-year-old had to had to die. So, you know, someone seven years younger than me, someone just pretty much me, just a little bit older, but older than Murph, right? And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm all the best to her family, her friends, anybody who ever worked with her and anybody like me who was a fan. Um, and then finally, wrestling is a tight-knit community. Japanese tight-knit community. Joshi, by extension, indie Joshi wrestling is about as specific as it gets. And if, even if you weren't a, a big fan or didn't follow her super closely, it sends shockwaves when something like this happens. So I just hope everybody's doing okay. Um, I'm doing okay. Um yeah, and I and I'm and this was therapeutic for me this first these first twenty minutes of this pod, and I so appreciate the well wishes both of us do from from everybody uh, in the comments. So thank you yeah. all so much. I see if I even if I don't put them all on the screen, I see them and I appreciate all mm. of them. Um, so Jamie, with that, should we talk about Rossi Ogawa yes. <laughs> in, in uh and and what the hell? is going yeah. on in the world of Joshi Pro Wrestling right now, especially stardom. So what? here's what's going to happen, folks. As you know, I usually take control of the, the, the play-by-play guy. I'm going to throw it over to Jamie. He's going to lay out the situation for us, and I'm going to go into talking head mode, and I'm going to offer my thoughts, my reactions. So, Jamie, it, you can condemn this wild... Uh, wide-ranging situation into uh into into a, a digest press <laughs> right so february 4th uh, i'll start with with kind of the, the earlier part today which which kind of when you put it with what followed makes it even more uh, crazy february 4th we had sardom's 13th anniversary supreme fight show we may get into the what happened on the show a little bit later but at the end of the show mike Ed brings all the roster out and rossi ogawa and they all take a take a picture in the ring, even Oedo Tai, and that never happens. Um, they all got in there, and that, that was how we closed out the show. Um, later in the day, or I guess earlier in the morning, for, um, you know, depending on your time zones, it was around the time when NXT Vengeance Day was on. Um, so it was, it was early in the morning for me, February 5th. Stardom and Bushi Road announced that they had terminated the contract of Stardom's founder, executive producer, um, Rossi Ogawa, 
and it's you know it's a pretty lengthy statement, but in in the statement, it's you know they, they allege that Rossi has been poaching talent and staff, uh, which which led to his termination. Um, this was very quickly followed by Sean Ross Sapp tweeting that there were rumours um, circulating that Rossi Ogawa was potentially heading to WWE. Um, this was since downplayed by uh, Dave Meltzer, uh, who indicated that Rossi may be looking to start his own promotion. And then in an interview with Tokyo Sports, uh, Rossi revealed that that is his intention and there are plans being put towards um, starting his own promotion. Uh, he addressed the um, the poaching of, of talent and, and, and that poaching of talent thing, following Sean's, uh, Sean's tweets, people thought that Rossi was some sort of Simon Anoki level espionage figure. And it seems <laughs> that Tony Khan may have also... Yeah. Bought into this train of thought. He, he kind of exploded with a with a couple couple of gifts. He seemed very happy that Rossi was uh was leaving stardom. Um but he mentioned the talent had actually come to him or come to stardom and you know expressed their concern about Rossi leaving. Um Rossi said he that he'd uh, given his notice to stardom about his intention to leave um in November. And the idea would be that he would be leaving around March, I believe. Obviously, Bushi Road then um with the amount of uh, the Bushiro then revealed to talent that the news of Rossi that Rossi would be leaving in late January, and it appears that the amount of talent that came up to them, maybe requesting to leave or having questions about potentially leaving, led them to believe that Rossi had been uh, poaching talent for this new promotion, and so they brought it forward. They uh, they terminated this contract following an anniversary show, and now here we are. We're currently in the position. Of Rossi Ogawa is no longer in stardom. There is a new promotion on the horizon, seemingly, um, and it looks like a lot of talent could be following him out the door. Dave Meltzer said that pretty much every talent, apart from Mayu Iwatani, uh, their contract is coming up in March. That may be a, a bit of a Dave Meltzerism. He, he may have been exaggerating um, slightly there. <laughs> Murph has now finally joined us <laughs> in time for the Rossi news. But um, yeah, and then. And, and, the, the final thing from the news, we'll, we'll, we'll cover each bit partially um, in a moment, but um, it appears that Julia may also uh, be heading over to Rossi's new promotion temporarily um, before seemingly heading to WWE. So there's a lot there. <laughs> there's a lot to get into. You know, it's, it's you know, we, we've spoken already, you know, this year so far, we had the kind of the old Japan WWE stuff, the the Okada leaving WWE news, and now this. It seems like this is. It seems like every week we say is this one of the biggest stories in, you know, in pure history, and this is very much another one of those cases. But um, Park, we'll start with you. What's, what was your initial reaction to the uh, the Rossi news? I just, it was just so jarring and abrupt. Mm -hmm. Like they, like you said, they literally that weekend took the big roster photo with everybody including mm -hmm. and then he's got like it's just so so abrupt for somebody and again rossi is the the face the figurehead of the promotion i'm trying to think of who an analog for him is because he's not the owner per se um but he's been also another thing that people don't realize about rossi is he's been around forever you know oh, yeah. he did yeah he did you know rcn um, he did A to Z, right? I think he did. Uh, oh God, what was like the actress girl's pre um, precursor? That I'm sure somebody or, in the or chat. Or Sion. Or Sion. 
No, I already said that. But there was an actress girls uh, precursor precursor that was a lot like actress girls that I'm forgetting. It was like magic. It was something to do with magic. But anyway, mm-hmm. Rossi's he's been around forever. Okay, and he's always been around Joshi Indies, right? And Stardom was his first promotion that really got like above. I mean, yeah, and he was all the way back in, of course, the most important. He was all the way back in All Japan Women. He was involved there, right? Um, I'm trying. I really want to remember the name of that promotion because there was some cool stuff about uh about about uh, uh, around that promotion that I think people don't realize existed. But anyway, um, I uh, I was I was just surprised at the abruptness of it, Rossi you cannot underestimate how much of a force he is he is as synonymous with joshi wrestling as any non-wrestler in the last 25 years in in japan whatever he ends up doing no matter the level of talent that he has are an immediate player in the joshi scene probably the immediate number two on the scene even above tjpw as tjpw has kind of faltered in attendance and and i would just say general attention recently um it's just huge news. It's and he's mm-hmm. like stardom always felt like it was backed by the Rossi ethos. Uh, so what does that mean for stardom? Like what changes do we see? Like also is this new Rossi promotion just going to be just like stardom? Is he going to work hard to distinguish it in some way? What's going to be the difference here? So maybe you know, I, it it makes me wonder more specifically about like the stardom x stardom shows right i'm trying to think if that's a rossi thing or if that was a if that was a wrestler's thing because if it's a rossi thing we could see more of a sports entertainment style in whatever he ends up doing or vice versa we could see stardom lean more in that direction uh and and if rossi cares more about the wrestling but that was the biggest thing for me was just how abrupt of a thing it was Mm -hmm. yeah my my kind of initial reaction was pretty similar. Um, there, there was there was a slight thought uh, over the past couple of months that something like this could be on the horizon. I was always kind of I was already a little bit doubtful for it. Voices of Wrestling had re- said that Rossi was leaving a couple of months ago, um, and obviously they have kind of a, a, a you know a bit of a hit and miss track record with these things. So, but it was it was in the back of my mind, and then obviously lo- looking at last year. Particularly towards the tail end of 2023, and 2023 was was a, a much weaker year for Stardom in in kind of comparison to their their recent form. Um, particularly throughout the pandemic and stuff, they were one of the hottest promotions in wrestling. Um, so it was a lot weaker. And then seeing the kind of uh, the the interviews from people like Julia, who talked about wanting the promotion to be more wrestler oriented, wanting Rossi to have more control. It seemed like that Bushi Road had gradually kind of been taking the reins from Rossi in mm-hmm. 2023. It really came to a head. I think you you, know, you touched on the, the stardom, ex-stardom shows and the more sports entertainment element of some of those things. Um, my assessment of it is I'm fairly sure that that's a bougie road call. I, I think Julia spoke about it in her in her interview mm-hmm. when she talked about like doing ladder matches and booking those over, booking those yeah. over title Lamar matches. Lamar said and, that too. Good. Yeah. Um, so I think in, in terms of guessing what, what Rossi's new promotion would be like, I think it would be more towards the, um, you know, uh, you know, earlier Bushi Road era stardom or, or pre-Bushi Road entirely, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's still, it's it's so shocking, and obviously the implications of it, which we'll get into in a little bit, are, are wild, and we'll talk about who potentially could be leaving, who could be staying, what, what the new promotion is going to look like. But but Murph, what was your initial reactions um, to the Rossi Ogawa news? 
before I say my actual reaction, I'm going to preface this with Rossi Ogawa is one of the most important figures in Joshi wrestling uh, ever. You know, this is a big deal. And if you don't think this is a big deal, you're extremely naive. And uh, there are going to be wrestlers that join this Rossi Ogawa promotion. Now that I just prefaced that he's important, now I'm going to shit on him. Rossi Ogawa is a terrible person. Rossi Ogawa has been taking advantage of girls under the age of 18 and putting them in scantily clad clothes, in bikinis, and shit like that, and selling books about them to perverted men in Japan for a long time. I am very happy with this news for multiple reasons. Number one, I believe Rossi Ogawa is not a good person for the, out, the reasons I just outlined. He is a borderline pedo. Almost a borderline. And you see, the second thing is, uh, AEW CEO President GM Tony Khan uh, recently said that uh, Rossi Ogawa was the reason that AEW and Stardom have not had anything. And I can tell you that is a shame because there have been stardom wrestlers who have publicly said they would like to work with AEW. And there are AEW wrestlers who publicly wanted to work with stardom on the Forbidden Door shows the last two years. So as a fan, a casual fan of stardom and a full fan of AEW, I am elated at this news. And the fact of the matter is, I know for a fact that Rossi Ogawa is more preferent of WWE because Mariah May in the multiple interview she has done since joining AEW has said that she would she never said AEW to Rossi because she knew it was going to be a problem without elaborating on it much so. So if you put two and two together, if you're an AEW fan and a Stardom fan together, this is great news. And if you're a fan of not exploiting young girls, I believe that Stardom's in much better hands of Bushi Road compared to Rossi Ogawa. <laughs> well, <laughs> that was quite the quite the statement from Murph. Um, I, I anticipated Murph's reaction would be very AW oriented. <laughs> so, yeah, um, the, the AW kind of connotations of this are very interesting. Um, they're not my my kind of top priority. There's there's a lot in this um, in this Rossi Ogawa thing, and I've seen a lot of people talking about now the prospect of Stardom a Forbidden Door. You know that that appears more likely now, I guess. Um, and what I'd say to that is, what does that even look like now? As we're about to get into potential talent exodus, um, yeah. If that if that comes to fruition, who who is that? Who who is Stardom at this point in time? Um, so I guess that's where we'll head head next to this thing. Obviously, first mentioned by I believe Dave Meltzer, um, who well well I guess first mentioned in the the actual Bushy Road statement in terms of poaching talent. Um, and then obviously Melton mentioned that some talents were um, considering leaving, requested to leave. Um, and then the new Stardom president, Taro uh, Okada, has outright said it, um, publicly to Tokyo Sports that talent have requested to leave and some have asked them um, about what they should do in the future following the news of Rossi leaving. So um, I believe we had a, uh, a super chat from uh, the man who beat Chris Patton twice strikes back a two dollar super chat if you if you want to pull that pull that one up. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll get into um the possible talent exodus and what this could mean for stardom. Um I, again as Melter said the uh, it seems like the contract situation for a lot of the roster apart from Mayu Watani who seemingly has um some sort of an extension due to a her upcoming movie um 
it seems like there could be a lot of a lot of people out the exit though. So I'll start with you, Parker. What 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 do you kind of think this potential exodus will entail? What will it mean for stardom? Who do you think um will be following Rossi? Do you think will will stay with the Boucher Road like stardom? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, it's it's weird. I I don't feel like I have a strong indication of who would leave or stay. I really just don't. I for some reason I feel like, and maybe this is just the way Rossi promoted himself, but like Rossi obviously very clearly cares a lot about the like appearance and I don't know how to say this, just like attractiveness of like wrestlers, or that seemed maybe it was just a gimmick. I, I that could genuinely just be like a gimmick, right? But for me, it feels like the like you know cosmic angels adjacent wrestlers might be might be closer to leaving. Uh, but again, that also kind of feels like a Bushi Road thing too. Maybe not. I, I guess I don't know. It's a hard. It's a hard thing to. Uh, it's a hard. It's a hard judgment to make. Uh, the um, the fact that Julia is his strongest soldier <laughs> is like interesting. <laughs> I wonder like. Like, does that tell me that, like, that, like Micah, <laughs> because who's, who appears to be quite close with Julia outside of wrestling, is, or like Suzu Suzuki, or you know anybody, or my Sakurai, or Tekla, right? Um, Tekla's taking like time off as well, I believe, right? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, it, it's really hard. I, I just don't know. Like, it's not like AEW where a lot of the like factions of people within that company are pretty pretty obvious if you know where to look whereas we just don't have that link to uh to 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 i guess japanese wrestling so i'm really interested like i think this could like when you have we talk about how great the stardom roster is but divided cut in half doesn't doesn't look so hot so it'll be interesting to see who ends up going and whether they have trainees or whether they try to poach you know like people from colors or uh or other smaller you know promotions or prominence or people like that so yeah a lot of a lot of questions here's mm -hmm. the deal for me they're going to be wrestler turnover here that's just what's going to happen that's just the deal with this but the fact of the matter is i can bet a hundred percent all my money on that the worst wrestler of all time the nine takahashi is going to leave stardom so as a fan who would like to get into stardom, that excites me. That makes me think, oh, the cancer is gone. So now I can indulge in this promotion. Who is going to get turned around? Bushy Road, has a, Bushy Road doesn't have a lot of money right now, but they have, an, they have a lot more money than Tokyo Joshi Pro. Bushy Road could, if they are going to have all these wrestlers off the books, they could easily say, hey, I want Miyu Watanabe, and they're going to get Miyu Watanabe. They could say, hey, I want, uh, who's the... Who's the, the 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 girl that's really good? She works in DPW sometimes. Uh, older girl. Mace Ruga. No. Oh, Emmy Sakura. Uh, no, 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 not Emmy Sakura. Older lady. Uh, Ash's old profile picture. Miyuki Takase. Yeah, like girls, people like her. <laughs> she, like she, you know, she's like She's like twenty five. <laughs> well, that, that's old for Japanese wrestling for women's wrestling. If you're, unless you're like a fossil, <laughs> like in an eye. But the fact of the matter is, you know, stardom to me is going to be better. And, you know, and I put all my trust in Bushy Road to move forward in a better way, in a more professional way, unlike Rossi. Uh, so I am all for this promotion, uh, you know, especially if AEW is on the table and especially if the evil WWE is not involved. So, yes, I am all for this. And uh, go Bushy Road.
uh, HD Sandar. So my my outlook on this is almost the absolute opposite of what Murph just said. <laughs> my, you know, looking at this in terms of who may leave, um, we, we obviously we already have pretty much one almost confirmed in terms of Julia. Julia was heading out anyway, but it looks like right. she's going to follow Rossi um, at least for a couple of months um, before she heads over to the States. Um, you, you, you talked about Cosmic Angels. I, I kind of tend to lean on the side of their Bushy Road wrestlers more so, and I feel that they may be more inclined to say than others. My actual focus on this currently would be homegrown stardom talents, particularly oh, yeah. um, longer-tenured stardom talents. Um, the Dave Meltzer's report um, seemed to indicate that Mayu Batani wasn't available to leave immediately. I think she's gone. I think she's going to leave wow. with Rossi. Um, if you know anything about Mayu Batani's story, Rossi is essentially like her dad, <laughs> pretty much in in pro wrestling. Um, I I can't foresee uh, a world in which Rossi Ogawa leaves Stardom, starts a new promotion, and Mayu Batani does not stay. Uh, so, sorry, and Mayu Batani stays in the Bushi Road led um, Stardom. I think she's I think she's likely to follow Rossi. Um, mm. And what that means for my my enjoyment of stardom. Obviously, I'm still going to follow the product. I'm still going to love the product, depending on who who sticks around. And I'm, I'll be I'll be keeping up with it. But as a fan of stardom for a long, long time, stardom won't be stardom without Rossi and Mayu. I think they're that, that right. the what stardom is in it, in its identity. I'm, I'm more loyal to the talent. Um, and what the identity of stardom is than a brand, right? Um, so as much as the company may keep going and they may keep a lot of talent, um, if it's not going to feel like how stardom did and there's an alternative that is um, essentially led by the people who who were stardom, um, that's more appealing to me as a fan. Um, and then in terms of looking at potential other talent... Oh, you say, know who just came to mind? You know who just came to mind? Maybe you were going to say this. I, I bet Shuri's gone. I bet she's out. I bet mm-hmm. she's out of there. I bet because she, she's so close with Julia, and yeah. appears to be like close with with Mayu to a certain extent, even though they haven't obviously ever been in the same stable. Um, I wonder. I wonder if Shuri's gone. Shuri's a big one for me. Like she's weird because she's never been like one of my favorites, but she's just so like fucking good and just adds so much credibility mm-hmm. to. Her. She's like um, I don't know. She she'd be like a. Like when Claudio came into AEW and was immediately just like this huge deal, I was like, "Oh man! Like, how could anybody have ever like missed on this guy?" You know what I mean? And I feel yeah. like I feel like Shuri has been kind of plays for a minute here. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, in terms of the other people I'd be looking at, like I said, homegrown talents. Um, three stables come to mind when I think of homegrown talents, and that's Stars, Queen's Quest, and Oedo Tai. Um, looking mm-hmm. at Stars, I think. Almost all of them are going to be very loyal to Rossi Ogawa. They're all pretty much homegrowns, apart from um, Momo Kogo. Um, so I, f- I feel like the likes of Hazuki, someone like Asaya Ida, who hasn't had a lot of focus on the Bushi Road led mm. stardom, I think is likely to go and also probably will benefit a lot. Um, in a similar vein, Momo Watanabe from Oedo Tai, I think. Um, kind of well she was on a trajectory trajectory to be almost an ace like figure in stardom and then it, clearly that was not something that bushy road bought um, bought into to the same extent so i feel she's going to be someone who's probably going to be very loyal to to ogawa probably look look at um 
you know, getting, you know, starting fresh in a new promotion. But there's a lot. And like you said, the, you know, the, the bigger names are obviously the, the key ones to focus in on someone like Shuri. Tam Nakano, which obviously we've already mentioned, that I kind of t- tend to lean on the side that she'll stay. Um, but she's going to be very crucial. She was voted, I believe, in Shoe Pro, the number one most popular um, pro wrestler in Japan mm-hmm. last year, above Tetsuya Naito. Um, so in in terms of optics and what how popular um you know for attendance how popular this new promotion is going to be or how well stardom's going to be able to keep afloat i feel like her status is going to be pretty crucial um and there's a lot more of course you know aphrodite a homegrown talents where the, where are their loyalties going to lie currently the tag team champions um and we'll, you know before we kind of move on to taro carter in his in his tokyo sports uh, interview he mentioned that you know um current title holders are people that have expressed concern or desire to leave um and he also mentioned this to such an extent in this this you know the where we kind of look at how this possible exodus is going to look like um he said that the possibility of the promotion not being able to keep going is on the table right now um which wow. is pretty you know pretty bleak if you're kind of you know if you're a stardom fan that wants to remain kind of sticking to stardom but so i i guess you can read read into into that what you will in terms of how many and who the names are that are looking to go um but i'll just kind of end on for me again what i already said is the identity of stardom for me uh is the product that rossi ogawa created and the rest is like mayu batani um momo watanabe and people like that so if if they're the people that are heading over to the new promotion then that feels more stardom to me than abushi road let's start them interesting interesting yeah the 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 statement from taro okada saying that i mean we might not be able to that's like that's so monumental for for mm-hmm. joshi as a whole especially and what a reversal from all of stardom's like crazy growth over the yeah. last few years too a couple more super chats here we got is that a pound or a euro? It's one of the two. Don't tell me, actually. I don't care. Uh, from Mr. Hanky, get ready for Hazuki, Starlight Kid, and Azumi Starlight uh, uh, Toxic Attraction. I'm good on that. Thanks, though. Um, we got Will Chisholm. Chisholm? Uh, so how long will it be before Rossi company, Rossi's company starts working with WWE? Half-joking, but not. Not that, that ain't happening. I'm not. Nah. Nah. Not long. Nah. Yeah, I'm not the, long at all. The WWE thing is is a weird one. I, I don't think it's like people people who like don't follow Stardom and are looking at this news have been shouting about NXT Japan and stuff like that. And I think if you read into the, the actual reports and stuff, that's disproven like almost immediately. Um, potential like working relationship, I think, is not entirely impossible. I think particularly if Stardom are going to now work with AEW. Um, and Rossi is more kind of WWE oriented than than AEW. If, if if you know if that's to be believed, then I guess that could be a possibility. I don't think it would extend to anything more than the thing that we've already seen with with an all Japan. Um, but it's it, it's one of those things that's it's so kind of we don't even have the new promotion yet. We don't have a name. We don't have a talent pool. That is something for like way into the future that's that's kind of uh speculating a little bit ahead of what we've already got right now so i wouldn't be too concerned with that right now but i wouldn't i wouldn't entirely rule it out um in the future in case anybody was wondering if their promotion that rossi was involved in it's jd star 
so just uh, everybody, just in case everybody was wondering about that JD sling uh, that had uh, Jaguar Yakota was a, was a big part of that. Uh, and now uh, we're getting to the segment of the show where I'm looking at their uh, I'm looking at their cage match. Um, and they had Bull Nakano in the main show. They came back for a memorial or uh, an anniversary show in 2018. Command Bolshoi and Jaguar Yukoda against Kari Yoniyama and Kazuki. I mean, that checks out. Lots of old wrestlers. Uh, yeah, Grapple Beauty. Hmm. Well, they had Cherry. Cherry, you know that wrestler Cherry? She still wrestles. Oh, yeah. Sakuran Bonita in in a. She was she was she was a home a homegrown JD star talent, folks. Uh, and then one of their matches got rated four stars by Dave. That's the end of that story. Uh, six asks, who will be the first Gina de Wave champion? They should have Julia just win it, and yeah. then or they should they, they should like like uh, our Portuguese friend suggested just have. Uh, have Tam come over and be the the real the real red belt champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it'll be interesting to see. I assume there's probably going to be a bit of a mad scramble for freelance talent now on both ends. Um, Rossi's obviously, you know, you'd assume Rossi's going to be bringing in a lot of X stardom talents, but to what extent that's going to be, we still don't know. So you'd imagine he'll pad out the roster with maybe a couple of the signings, and then on the other end, Bushi Road, they're going to need some fresh faces seemingly um if they want to stay afloat if they want to have a roster depending on how far this extends to so um you know a couple of big freelancers could be kind of in the mix um i wonder if either side makes a big play for someone like a Suri right now who's obviously a huge name mm-hmm. in, in freelance joshi wrestling I, i'd be interested to see if she lands in either of these two promotions this year i feel pretty strongly no, the- that uh tam nakano is gonna be on the bushy road side that's just my you know personal opinion it's. I think Tim Nakano's gonna be on the Bushy Road side. Could be. Could be. We have a twenty dollars super chat from Will Chisholm. Is the real reason why EO and Kyrie went to WWE in the first place uh, because of Rossi? And if so, I can understand why people WWE at some point it makes you think with the Julia stuff now. Um, I mean, well, in an official capacity, but like, Stardom was pretty obviously like WWE's top like talent scout location for a while like they signed tony storm they signed b Priestley, they signed Kyrie, mm-hmm. so they were obviously like an eo of course so they're obviously like using um to the extent that like when it was literally when like triple h was talking about nxt japan like obviously they had had some sort of with stardom right um however i don't i think that might be an overstatement to say that like that was the real reason they went to wwe like the real reason they went to WWE is because they get paid like a shit ton more and are bigger stars mm-hmm. as a result. And that's yeah. like, I think that's kind of a, the, when you get mm-hmm. right down, more, that's the real Yeah, more, more recently, the actual, the, the more recent Kyrie departure, I guess you could say was partly due to Rossi. I, I, I believe when when she left, I remember the the uh, Dave and, and Sonia, the, the Observer boards were talking about there's more to come from this. Um, mm. we'll, we'll hear more in January next year or something like that. We were all kind of confused in the talks about an exodus and stuff like that. We are now seeing what that was, right? <laughs> what they were talking about. Um, so I guess Kyrie's most recent exit, uh, her return to the WWE, I guess was partly because she was aware of what was coming. Um, you can understand her being more loyal to Rossi Ogawa than others. She's obviously a long tenure there, stardom wrestler. So uh, I guess that, but I wouldn't look into too much the 
the the the you know the previous um, starting to the moves. Uh, did you guys know that JD Star also had a wrestler named Mirai? One word. <laughs> Yo, Mirai. Yeah. So, so the current one is Mirai too. Right. She's Mirai. Well, she's Mirai all caps. This was just Mirai. And, and the one right now I is Mirai. The first. I bet the first one. I bet the first one was a lot better. Well, yeah. If we didn't, if we didn't start the pod the way we did, I would I would make a joke because. But I. <laughs> so this Mirai passed away at the age of 22 in a car accident, um, and I didn't realize it until I said the thing. Uh, so you know what? We're just gonna we're just gonna move on from that. On. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure she was great and had a good career. She wrestled yeah. 216 matches. She was on K Dojo and JWP. She's on DD. That's cool. Uh, anyway, uh, an A2. Um, P to, to DD. Um, oh, the yeah. Oh, I was gonna. Oh, I was also gonna. Scarecrow is asking the real questions on who will sign. Uh, Murph knows. Murph knows the best wrestler. Maya. She's so cute. She's so cute. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Does she still wrestle? I don't watch. She was on. Uh, I I think she does. She she wrestled Azusa Inaba. Um, Are they uh, on JTO? That's nice. Anyways, um, what else? What else is there to know? What else is there to, to talk about with Rossi? Anything? Um, so we've covered we've covered possible talent exits. We've covered the the new. I, I guess what what do we think the or when do we think the new promotion will start and, and how do we think that's mm. what's that going to look like in terms of you know is it going to be? I think they'll start at Cork. I think they'll start at Cork and Hall, and I think they'll start. I'm going to say they'll start in. Oh man, it's weird though because like all of these like Corican and all these venues, they reserve their stuff at the beginning of the year and then it's like booked out. Like it's hard to start a promotion. Um so maybe like maybe they don't get started for a while and Julia is just there to be like like a talent scout and like to sell people on it, you know what I mean? Maybe she maybe Julia never ends up wrestling a match for this promotion, you know what I mean? Um so no, I'm gonna say I'm gonna make this might be a bold prediction. It might it might not be, but I'm gonna say Julia never wrestles a match for this for this promotion, and that it takes like months for it to get uh, underway. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see the the, the, the Julia thing does kind of um it, it puts all the pieces together with what the with what the Melter report and was like for, for Julia. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, she was originally seemingly gonna work the uh, the. Windy City show in in April, and then obviously right, kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was kind of cut off. It seems like now she's going to leave at the exit. Uh, you know, the the, the expiration. So of are they contract. just going to vacate the belt? Are they going to vacate that belt? The strong they, belt. It, they the, might so disappear the, forever. Yeah, on, on the on the most recent pay per view, which was the same day as Rossi's exit, um, there were like three wrestlers who like challenged for the belt. So <laughs> I mean, they, they could like quickly book something, um, but. I mean, I don't particularly give a I, shit about the New Japan Strong Women's Champion. I want it out of you see, stardom, to be honest. I care because, you know, the New Japan Strong... Not really because of the New Japan Strong Women's Championship, 
but I care about the New Japan Strong Openweight Championship because it's one third of the American Sankan. So, you know, that's why I, I am so invested in the future of these strong belts, because you see, I'm, I'm very invested by the American Sankan. So, you know, I hope this keeps going. I think, uh, I think the New Japan Strong Championship should be the world championship of the new promotion. Um, and I think Julia should just be champion and they'll be like, Oh, I'm already champion. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. I don't really know. Add up, All right. You know, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. So I think that's going to do it for Rob. This is, this is, I would say the biggest story in Joshi pro wrestling since, since Hanakamura's passing. And if you want to take out like tragedies that have nothing to do with the business itself, it's the biggest story since stardom was purchased by Bushi Road. I would say slightly bigger than this. Um, I would say, but this it's is easily bigger. the biggest. I think this is, I, you think so? I, I, this is I, the biggest since the Gasly match. The Gasly match. This is the biggest since that. I yeah. I, I would say this is bigger than the, the Bushi Road takeover. Just more so because mm. the Bushi Road takeover. Obviously, it was a huge deal, but stardom kept going. <laughs> you know, after that, this is like could be catastrophic for stardom and will also birth a new promotion. I, I think this is personally, I think this, I think this is bigger than the Bushiro takeover, but it's, mm. it's huge. It, it can't really, it can't really be overstated how, how big this is going to be and the, the ripple effect this is going to have across Joshi wrestling. We were talking about freelancers, potential exodus, working relationships. It's uh it's going to be developing. I assume we're going to be talking about this throughout the year <laughs> as it kind of develops. While we're on the topic, let's briefly talk about the stardom pay-per-view that feels so insignificant now mm-hmm. <laughs> as a result. But it was a good show. A lot of people had good things to say about it, in particular the uh, the high-speed match. And so, so we'll start. We won't talk too much. By the way, the only notable thing I have for, before we started getting the main matches on this show is that why the hell did Yuzuki not win the Future of Stardom Championship? Is she leaving? Is she going to go? <laughs> You know, so that was I, I was I thought that was pretty dumb when I saw that result. But yeah, the big story from this from this show that people are talking about is the fantastic people are saying that the, the, there was a time limit draw for the high speed title between May Sarah and Husky, and people are saying it was just great. Yeah, this was terrific. I mean, May Sarah has been um, one of the MVPs of Stardom. I talked about earlier that the last year wasn't really a, a strong year. Stardom, particularly in comparison to to early years, but May Sarah signing um, in 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 April, and her subsequent work who was kind of one of one of the shining lights last year, and she's continued that into this year with the high speed title. Um, this I think was the best match of her career. Um, May Sarah works at such like a breakneck pace. Um, you know she she's like she hits the ropes faster than pretty much any wrestler I can I can think of. But she kind of um, there was still that in this match, but it was more measured. It was more controlled. I think she was kind of putting everything together more so than she'd ever done. And um, and obviously being in there with Hazuki, who's obviously one so experienced in, in high speed wrestling. Um, you know, one of the, one of the best high speed wrestlers Stardom ever had. And then two, mm-hmm. always delivers in, in big title matches. <laughs> She's um she'll be someone who'll be crucial for, for both promotions, who they can, you know, who who can who can keep hold of Hazuki in terms of how reliable she is um, on the big stage. And she, you know, it was no different here. Um you know, anytime it was like you know the white belt title match. Anytime you throw it in the situation, she right. delivers, and so she's you know hard hit in action and um, hasn't missed a step in the in the high speed um, 
kind of realm. And so when you put her in there with someone as exciting as May Sarah, who is now developing into a much more well-rounded wrestler, it was it was kind of the perfect perfect defense for May. And you know, the, the draw leaves the leaves the door open for a, for a rematch. Um, and you you know, you'll either get uh, a high speed title win for Hazuki, which isn't exactly the belt I'd like to see a challenge him for, but I would never say no to it. Or you get May defeating Hazuki, which would be so big um, for her and her mm-hmm. standard in the promotion. So either way, um, I'm very happy with where, with where they're going with that one. But terrific match and a, a really big one for me, Sarah. How lucky we are to just have Hazuki wrestling, like yeah. For, and we thought and we thought she was done forever. We saw her come back, you know. For the Hanakamura show, the first memorial show, all the way back in 2021, and we were like, "Wow, she's still pretty good." <laughs> she was awesome in that match, and she came back, and she's just she's literally better than ever. She's better yeah. now than she ever was in her first run, which is she was great in her mm-hmm. first run. So just very lucky to have her. Uh, we had an all star tag match, uh, eight eight man tag match. Mayu Utani, she Utami Hayashida, and Azumi. Against Julia, Mirai Shuri, and Suzu Suzuki. Only one minute tag match. Uh, a lot of people saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was great. I mean, these these multiple woman matches are always, um, you know, they they always deliver on these stardom shows. And um, of course, this is kind of a one of one of the anniversary matches. This is a 13th anniversary show for stardom. It was a very star-studded, star-studded lineup in this one. Um, there's not too much like analysis of the match I can ever do for these things. They're kind of pretty chaotic. Um, just a lot of wrestlers coming in and out. Um, but I guess the highlights uh, from this would be um, kind of the closing stretches with Mayu Watani and Suzuki. Um, and then some of the interactions between Suri and Azumi were really exciting. So I think obviously looking into you know possible directions for new feuds um, for the remainder of the year, that was that was something exciting. But of course, you know, as, as is the case with this show now, we don't know who's going to be sticking around. We don't know how long these feuds are going to be able to last. So it's a weird one to kind of reflect on. But um, just looking at it as a match, I think this was a really, really exciting showcase of um, some of the best, the best in stardom for this occasion. And um, but yeah, this one delivered as always. Two more title matches on this show. We had the top two titles defended on this show, both successfully. In the Wonder of Stardom title match, Sariano beat Starlight Kid to defend her title. Um, people said this was pretty good, but like nothing like crazy, crazy good. Uh, some people thought there might be a title change here, but I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't. A, I, I enjoyed this match. It wasn't a bad match by any means. It definitely didn't live up to um, some of the expectations and on what I thought this match could. You know, the heights this match could mm-hmm. reach. Yeah, I'm, a bit, I'm obviously a big fan. Of uh, of both these women, and I think you know Soriano with the the white belt is you know a pretty exciting booking decision. Uh, considering she's um, technically still a freelancer, not signed to the promotion, it was kind of a bold move to see them put the title on her. Um, I think this is one of the better Starlight Kid performances in in recent weeks. I think she'd kind of been um, not kind of uh, you know performing to the levels that we've seen as of late. But I think she stepped up a little bit here, particularly towards the closing stretch. I think you know. Um, that's when this match really picked up, but it took a little while to fully get going, and um, it just felt like there was something missing in this match. Um, the Stardom crowds don't particularly help for some reason. They've struggled to kind of get out of pandemic mode. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's pretty strange. It's um it's tough. It's particularly you know on on the Sunday when this the show happened. I was jumping between a lot of different shows. You know after the Stardom show, kind of New Japan, Noah, CMLL. 
Um, and it's always pretty jarring um, going to a stardom show and having great wrestling on and, and the crowd, they kind of sat on their hands. It's, it's a little weird. But um, so that didn't help. But this was this was a decent match, but it's not something I'd be encouraging you to kind of go out your way and check out. In the main event, we had Micah uh, do the World of Stardom Championship uh, in her. Was, this is her first defense, right? Um, yeah. Or am I losing my mind? Yeah, it was her first defense. Um, so, uh, yeah, she defended against Saya Kamatani in one of Saya's first big matches back after injury. And uh, this is uh, a really good one, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another great match. It Obviously, the high-speed match was probably match of the night, but this was just a notch just a notch below it, but still still a great match. These two have, um, have great chemistry. We talked about it when we, when we previewed the show. And this is more of the same, um, you know, hard-hitting stuff from Micah and then, you know, always innovative offense from Saya Kamatani. She, at one point, she did the... The Will Ospreay counter, you know, where he looks, he he kind of flips over the lariat and looks like going for a power bomb. Um, and so so you know, Sayo Kamatani's always kind of coming up with new, cool ways to impress people mm-hmm. in these matches. But in terms of Micah and her reign moving forward, as much as as I said, these two have have great chemistry. I think she definitely um, shows out more in the big time matches um, when the matches are more physical, when when they're more kind of a, a bit almost more of a brawl. So I feel like if she has a match with people like Suri, um, you know, potential rematch with with a Suzuki, I feel like those are the matches that are gonna um get the best out of her reign. So this was by no means um, you know, I still think this was a great match, but I think uh, the best is still still to come with Micah's reign. So um a good first offense, but I think uh, what what's to come is gonna be a lot better. Well, we'll see. I mean, it depends on <laughs> there's Who's a there? lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a lot of questions up in the air. Um I'm really, I'm just really interested in seeing how this plays out. I mean, I don't know. It's tough because the, like, you want the autonomy, you want wrestlers to have choices on where to go. But reality is, the consolidation of all this talent into one promotion has been really good for the fans, made it really accessible for a lot of people. And it seems to have been financially successful for everybody involved, too. Um, Mm -hmm. So, a lot of questions yet to be answered, um, but hopefully we get some answers. Get some answers pretty soon here. Let's uh, let's move on. Let's go across the across the Bushu Road uh, umbrella here, and let's head to New Japan. Uh, first, uh, there was a match that is getting rave reviews over the last week that we have to talk about. I have not been able to watch it yet. Um, but people are like out of their minds about this match. And it is Gabe Kidd versus Hinare from this Sunday. Um, again, I haven't watched any wrestling since Sunday night. I haven't been in the mood for it. But this match is getting just absolutely crazy reception for essentially a mid-card match on a Cork and Hall show. Uh, Jamie, you watch everything and you watch it ASAP. Uh, have you watched this one and does it live up to the hype? It absolutely does. <laughs> I, I jumped from this one pretty quickly after after the Star show, and I, I, you know, I talked about the the difference in crowds. The New Japan crowds are always mm. always fired up, and for this one, it was it was you know more the same. Um, two two guys who just kind of like beat the shit out of each other in there. So when you put them together, you know, it's kind of a you know you know what you're getting, but it's still it still delivers. Um, a lot of brawling throughout the crowds, some pretty wild spots, particularly from from Game Kid. But Hanare. Is, is kind of the guy I was, I was circling coming out of this match because he's just like he's been a revelation in the past year. He was um, 
he was right down kind of at the bottom of the pecking order in New Japan. Uh, and then he had the kind of the gimmick change starting the G1. Well, he had the performance against Shingo before that, which was a bit of an outlier. Um, but since then, he's developed into kind of almost one of my, one of my favorite pro wrestlers to watch in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh-huh. He's, so, he's so physical in in the way he works. So putting him against Gabe Kidd um, gave the results, which I expected, which was just two absolute wild, uh, you know, animals in there just beating the shit out of each other. So there's, you know, nothing too technically incredible. But if you want to see two guys just wallop each other for a bit, then this is the match for you, I think. And that's that's the best way I can put this one. According to Cage Match, Hinari has had all of the seven best matches of his career in the last calendar year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're so right about him being a revelation. Uh, Murph, have you gotten a chance to see this one yet? If I... You know, got a call from a very rich man. Let's say Jay-Z. Jay-Z called me. Hey, Murph, I want you to, I'm going to give you money and you're going to start a wrestling promotion. And you see, my, my first thing I would do is I would do a, a G1 block style. I'd make one block and I would have these five guys in it. I'd have Eddie Kingston, Ilya Dragunov, Gabriel Kidd, Hanare, and Josh Barnett. Those five. And I would just have them wrestle each other. And all of the matches would be tremendous. You know why? Because the thing that all those five guys share is they think that wrestling is real. They don't think that wrestling <laughs> is fake. So that's why this 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 Cabe Kid and Hanari match was so good. Because these two motherfuckers think that wrestling is real in their heads. They are that crazy. So they are able to have a match like this because they are not doing work punches. They are actually beating the shit out of each other. This is very similar to if you think back to uh, there was a match Roderick Strong and Brian Danielson versus the Young Bucks where Roderick Strong and Brian Danielson just beat the shit out of the Young Bucks. And that made the match so compelling and great. Because wrestling, you see, there's nothing I hate more than res- in wrestling than UWF-style matches. Because you're doing real matches, but it looks fake as fuck. The best kind of matches are just straight singles matches where the guys just beat the shit out of each other. Like the Okada and Shibata match. Which, you know, he beat them a little too hard, obviously. Uh, but, you know... It, the best matches are when they beat the shit out of each other and they think it's real. And these guys thought it was real. Tremendous match. I gave it five stars, uh, which is, you know, big for me. You know, I don't really give five stars too often. Uh, so I really enjoyed this match. And uh, it was a great match for a Korkin. And I wish all Korkins were like this for New Japan because I found this match very, very compelling. Leading into this weekend, we have the culmination of this big Bullet Club War Dogs for Empire feud. And we also have some departures uh, from the promotion as well. So New Beginning in Osaka, always an exciting show. Always a unique crowd experience, too. A few undercard matches that I won't go super in-depth on. We've got Oleg Bolton, I should say, and Ryusuke Taguchi versus Yo and Toru Yano. Callum Newman and Great O'Conn versus Bishaman. Yujiro, uh, Ren, Sho, and Evil. We got House of Torture against Hauntai with Shota, Desperado, Honma, and Tiger Mask. We got LIJ versus Just Five Guys, which seems like they've just been going at each other forever in, mm-hmm. in a 10-man tag. And then we get Kazuchika Okada versus Roshimashi in what looks to be Okada's final New Japan match which i can't believe like those are words that are coming out of my mouth right now uh but it's true 
Uh, it's the last big singles match for him in New Japan. Uh, and it is the defining rivalry of 20th century, 21st century New Japan and perhaps ever in the company. So perfect way to send him off. I wish it was a main event. I wish it was a main event. It feels like it's big enough to be that. But New Japan never does. That's not their style to, to do it that way. So, uh, yeah, Okada versus Tanahashi, Jamie. Yeah, it's you know one of the greatest rivalries in in wrestling history. I think if this is if this is the end for Okada in New Japan, I couldn't think of a, of a better um, final opponent for him to be going out against. I, I'm not entirely sure if this is definitively his last match. I remember the when they announced his um, his exit, they mentioned that he'd be on the February 23rd, 24th shows. I'm pretty sure. Oh, really? So he may he may have like an unannounced like two matches which is yeah where, i was gonna where, say because he's not on the card yeah but i guess they don't have a full card listed yeah i would absolutely love for this if, if that is the case for him to maybe you know put over a show to umaro wait with a show to umaro on the way out. If that's not the case then um and he's not going to do that then you know you, you couldn't really have a better better opponent to, to close um you know close out Okada's New Japan career than Hiroshi Tanahashi um we've seen it a couple of times you know in in, in recent recent times that they still absolutely have that chemistry there so you know back in Japan for this one I've uh, I've no doubt that this is going to be a very very special match and um yeah it's it's one I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the match but I'm also not looking forward to kind of the aftermath of it and the, you know it kind of hitting me that this this is it for Okada um it's you know it's another it's it's, a, it's another major story in Japanese wrestling this year there's, there's been a lot of them but this is a this can be a tough one for New Japan um this match is going to be pretty damn good because Okan and Tanahashi, the, them two in the ring together is a four and a half star floor. I mean, that's just like how it is. Uh, I will say their match last year in San Jose, I thought was pretty disappointing, but this like, you know, the, the, the grandeur of this match and the fact that it's in Osaka, this match is going to be pretty fucking good. And I expect a pretty fucking good match. And there's a reason that this isn't going to be for the 15 minute title. This is going to be a 30-minute long match, and it's going to be fucking great, and I'm excited for it. I'll keep it short. We have, for the second time on this tour, uh, a tag team championship match with Fantasma and Hikuleo defending against Kenta and Chase Owens. Uh, I do not give a shit about this match. I do not want to watch it. Uh, I will watch it uh, with, a new, with, with this face, and then... I will not react to a single thing uh, unless uh, I don't know. I don't think I'll re react to anything unless Kenta like magically de-ages by 10 years and he's like incredible, but I'm not getting my hopes up on that one. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> don't give a shit. Don't give a shit. This is fake to me. That's real. Uh, not real wrestling. What is real wrestling? <laughs> yes. Going from one match that is not real wrestling to perhaps the most wrestling out there is uh, Brian Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, running back their ungodly uh, uh, AEW world... What what was the... Wrestle Dream. dream? Wrestle yes, dream, yes, yes, yes. Uh, Wrestle Dream match um, in front of a Japanese crowd. Uh, we, we've seen a match like this in the reverse where we got, for example, Omega versus Osprey at the Dome and then ran it back in the U.S., and people are pretty divided down the middle based on which one is better, and I'm lo looking forward to seeing this one in the reverse. Uh, this should just be incredible. Yeah, this is... Um, 
one of the most anticipated matches of the year so far. This is going to be incredible. When they announced this, I think a lot of people were pretty taken aback because obviously the the first match that like you said was on on a big um, a big preview. I think this one came pretty much out the blue. Um, they they teased it a little bit in the the new beginning tag, but I don't think anyone anticipated it being something that they jumped to um, so immediately. Um, but I, I don't think any of us are, <laughs> any of us are complaining by any means. These you know the the two best technical wrestlers in the world, Brian Danielson, of course, considered by a lot of people to be the best wrestler um, of all time for some people. Zack Sabre Jr. has only gotten better throughout the years, and I think right now he's currently primed, particularly with Osprey and Okada leaving. I think he's primed to be one of New Japan's top stars for the next couple of years. If, if you know if they've got their head screwed on, screwed on there, and they they know what to do with them. Um, but this should just be incredible. I hope the crowd's really really fired up first. I'm sure they will be. And um, yeah, it's just going to be special. The, the first one was a, was an incredible experience. It's, it's a match, nothing like. Um, you know, it, it was a as I said, it was a match of the year contender. But this match was so different to any of the other matches last year in in, in how it was put together. Of course, you know the, the way those two two guys wrestle is a big part of that. So seeing them run it back in a different environment, and, and you know potentially um, Zach Sabre Junior. scoring scoring the victory this time around, which would be huge for him um, if he, if he picks up that win. Obviously, not you know <laughs> nothing saying it's still Brian Danielson, but you know he, he's a very given wrestler, and I feel like this may be this may be Zach Sabre Junior.'s uh, big win here, which could propel to big things. But I'm I'm incredibly excited for for this match, and I'm sure the same could be said for you, Merv. This match is going to be fucking amazing, Jesus! I mean, their first <laughs> one was awesome, and this is going to be great too. I think Zach does win here, so you're at one one in the series, and I think. You might have a little special match at a special place uh, called Wembley Stadium. So uh, that's my prediction here. I think we get Zack Sabre Jr. going over here. You know, Zack heats up a little bit in New Japan. Danielson keeps doing his thing in uh, AEW with the CMLL guys. And uh, I think at a come August, we'll see uh, Brian Danielson uh, versus Zack Sabre Jr. in possibly Brian Danielson's last match as a full-time wrestler. I am, uh, yeah. I, I echo everything you guys are saying. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one a ton. Um, sorry, I was getting annoying texts from random people as you guys were talking. I wasn't listening to your, to you guys gushing about this match, but I presume that we were talking about how great it was going to be. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, Another match uh, that could end up being incredible based on the talent involved is this steel cage match in the main event um i again I, I haven't been quite as tapped in to wrestling over the last couple of weeks uh so i'll i'll d- defer to you to, to get get out like the rule set if they've talked about it jamie but it's united bullet club gold will Ospreay potentially one of his last matches in new japan jeff cobb henare tjp francesco akira five fantastic wrestlers against i would say Four really good wrestlers uh, in Gabe Kidd, Alex Coughlin, Clark Carnage, Drilla Maloney, and David Finley. Uh, or And then also David Finley, I guess, is the point mm-hmm. I was trying to make there. Uh, for me, here, uh, here, you you go over some of the rule set, Jamie, and then I'll talk about how I think this one should go if I was booking it. Rule set? War games! That's what this is. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we had we had a confirmed by David Finley that this is a this is a war games match. So I believe they said that I, I think he said that Finley and Osprey are going to start this one. I may be mistaken, um, mm. 
teams in WWE. So that's that's kind of the reference for for that if you're not entirely familiar. But uh, in terms of what this match is going to look like, uh, carnage probably. <laughs> I'm interested to see. Yeah. You know they, they they did they you know they said war games. I'll be interested to see. I doubt they're going to have the two ring set up because they you know when, when they do that they particularly have you know they have the two yeah. rings for the entire show. So I doubt they're going to have this show with the two rings throughout the whole way. So seeing a war games match in one ring is going to be something. <laughs> um, but you know, like you said, you look at the names involved. They're obviously the obvious ones, Osprey. Um, the two guys that we just talked about. In with their singles match, Hanare and Gabe Kid, I'm circling those two again. I think in this environment they're going to do something crazy. Um, I'm really hoping Hanare has a big showing in this one. But yeah, I think it should be super exciting. Obviously, the juniors in there as well, probably going to do some crazy high flying stunts. But in terms of a way to send Will Will Osprey off from um, from New Japan Pro Wrestling, it's it's going to be a wild match. It's going to be it's going to be crazy. It's something that we've obviously never seen in a New Japan ring before, so it's a first time. First time ever, but um, yeah, just just kind of a you know a, a very very wild match and something I'm looking forward to a lot. I can't wait for this one. I mean, it's just going to be crazy. Um, the these this is like the white boy special in uh in in New Japan. You you get the you get who like all of care so much being loved by Japanese fans, like almost like <laughs> anyway, you know what I mean. But that's good for us because yeah. they kill themselves. Like this match is going to be, and like this match had. There are permutations of this match. I don't mm-hmm. like on paper not as like locked in, fantastic as Saber versus Danielson, right? Permutations of this match. If they get the right crowd, the right structure, the right storytelling, where this is one of the matches of the year. Based on the yeah. talent involved, the unique environment of being a legit hardcore match in uh, in New Japan. Again, a 10-man War Games tag match where none of the wrestlers are Japanese is unheard of in, mm-hmm. in New Japan. And I think I don't think people have talked about that as much. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing this one. I think it's going to be just insane. I think it's just going to be a spectacle. If, if, if there are any spots where any of these wrestlers are thinking... Do I, do I want to do that spot? They should say yes. Yeah. <laughs> you do want to do that spot. Go forty minutes. I don't care. It's gonna. I, I, I'm. I'm stoked for this one. What about you, Murph? It's a cage match in Japan. I mean, that's kind of my wheelhouse. I mean, you know, the, there aren't as many wacky stipulations, and you have to. You yeah, don't have no to. No one's gonna lose their go. mask. And the, there's no uh, stipulations like uh, my favorite uh, stipulation ever was in the twenty. Can I guess? Hold on. What, what is it? Well, actually, go ahead. When Yamano said that uh, if he lost, he had to do the opening talk show segment. Yeah. He had to wear yeah. a bathrobe to the ring, and he had to straighten his hair. I was, mean, that, was that 2020 Dead or Alive? Was yeah. That, uh, yep. Yeah. Bro, I, I just love – I mean, I love in Dragon Gate when they're like, oh, freaking freaking uh, R.E.D. can come out and be the neutral guys so they can – or you know, or they get natural vibes out there to yeah. to be the lumberjacks, and they, they have, like, air horns to <laughs> – yeah, so, so good. And Genki Horiguchi yeah. with his rubber bands. I mean, yeah, that's, Genki Horiguchi. That's the thing with this cage match that kind of makes me sad is there's no rubber bands unless I'm uh, yeah. I'm I'm happy. I am no, no. proven wrong. Horiguchi might make a cameo. Well, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, but <laughs> in all seriousness, this is going to be great. It's going to be a heated match. Uh, I'm a fan of the war games. Uh, Jamie, do you know if it's if pinfalls are allowed? Uh, 
I, th- I believe so, yeah. I think well, you so. See, that made my uh, my excitement for it a little less because you see, in my war games opinion, it should always be submission or surrender. Well, but uh, you know, yeah, that's that's I'm that's uh, sure, that's yeah, small prize so. at this. That's gripes at this point. This is going to be great, and I'm excited for it. Yep, I'm pretty stoked for this one. Um, it, it should be a spectacle. Um, if it's me, uh, United Empire wins. Osprey is their dear leader. He um departs and it's fine and they you know we resolve that later maybe in post-match comments he just says you know i'm done in new japan something like that right and i'm and i'm moving on um then i think finley should fuck up i think he should lose i think he should be the reason they lose uh Mm -hmm. or not even maybe he's not even the reason they lose maybe he fights valiantly two on one at the end or something like that and they still beat him because it's just not enough and then you get these asshole, like insane heels led by Gabe Kid, and they're just like, "Fuck this guy! What are you? What a failure you are! Like, we'll beat the shit." You're I wouldn't do the, I went to the turn yet. I would wait for uh, Nick Nemeth to beat Finley, and then I would have the War Dogs attack him after the match. Oh, that's good. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually a really good call, and we'll preview that show uh, in in a couple weeks here too. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that, man. The 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 top two matches on that show are, are like crazy. Um, the hair I'm looking forward hair. to that one as well. Um, so anyway, um, I really hope, and I know Jamie feels the same way. I know Murph feels the same way. Uh, we all love Gabe Kidd. We all are not a believer in David Finley. Uh, mm-hmm. He was one of our shitters of the year last year, and uh, great, aw- yeah. very prestigious award. Yeah, very yeah. prestigious award. There are a lot. Oh, wait, of wait, wait! You didn't see the full. It's the Noah Junior Division shitter of the year. The Noah Junior Division Memorial Shitter of the Year. Um, okay, everybody. Uh, wait, wait, real quick, real quick. We, we need to touch on. Uh, there's a new uh, GHC head. I was champion. going to. Why are you cutting me off from saying things I, I was going I, to say? I thought you were doing the Beast of the Week. Sorry. <sighs> there was. So this is going to sound crazy. There was a new. There's a new GHC heavyweight champion. I called it. I called His it. Name I is called Hino. it. Murph's lying. He didn't call it. Um, the uh, he's the. I don't know why I'm, I'm gaslighting you. Um, Eho, the Doctor Wagner Jr. is the new GHC heavyweight champion. I did not think in a million years this was happening. Um, yeah, but uh, it did. I am a big Wagner fan. I strongly disagree with this decision. I think it's baffling. Um, Keno is their guy. He should have had... I'm not one of these people who's like obsessed with long reigns like some people are. But Keno should have had a really long reign that was finally ended by some outsider, maybe, or, you know, someone like Kaito or, you know, or maybe some... Just, just I don't know. It's just weird. We, we always talk about how Noah is the promotion where anything can happen at any time right and i think more often than not it's a bad thing for them i don't i don't really buy wagner as their top champion right now uh i don't i don't buy him as being a bigger deal than than keno than kaito than go than sugira than uh, you know whoever is is in that is in that top scene but um regardless this is hugely momentous there are two world champions in japan who are Mexican born, which is, I mean, crazy, right? Like, unheard of. 
And, so, and uh, a cool. trivia fact is they actually have teamed together before. Uh, Diamante yeah. and uh, Hildo Dr. Wagner Jr. tagged in a, a Cubs fan tweeted about it, but it was some like shit or show. Like, it wasn't like a big deal. And, it's probably uh, IWRG or some shit like that. Probably, um, but you know, now they're, uh, here it is. It's, uh, this isn't even, it's uh, Promociones Dinamita. And, oh, uh, yeah, Promociones Dinamita. It was uh, Dr. Wagner Jr. and D- El Hio did Dr. Wagner Gio- Jr. and Diamante versus uh, Universo uh, Anos Dos uh, Jr. 2000 Jr. I'm not going to even say Spanish. Nice. And El Galero. Oh, El Galero. Love that guy. Um, so, uh, and now they are, the, um, they are the world champions of two of the five biggest promotions in Japan. So uh, huge for Mexicans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this pretty pretty crazy. Um, you know, as you said, we, I don't think we'd ever had Mexican world champions in Japan before. Now we have two, so it's, it's pretty wild. They've come so quickly, one after the other. Um, I I, t- I tend to agree with with Parker's points about this. I, I'm not sure about this booking decision. Um, I didn't rule it out when the match. Um, you know, you know when we had the reveal of this match, just because if you talk about how Noah um, switches their titles and they're so unpredictable so often. Uh, EO, Dr. Wagner Jr. had like a, a mammoth national title reign in comparison to anything that else, else really happens in Noah. He had that for over a year. Um, and it was a strong reign, too. It was always one of the highlights, highlights of the show for me. Um, so it's clear that they're very behind him. Um, and he's, he's a popular guy over there, too. But yeah, coming out of 2023, the Jake Lee reign, obviously a very down year for, for Noah outside of the early portion, which was pretty much all KG Muto. Um, Keno felt like the guy. You know, we, we originally thought it was going to be Go Shiazaki, but after you know the you know the M one and then um, you know Keno getting the win over Jake Lee, he he does now feel like you know he says you know he is now Noah, you know, as, as as the catchphrase goes, and he feels like it. So um, I tend to agree that he probably should have held this belt for a long, long time and kind of had a an established you know um, he he's just a secure top guy for them. He's the most popular guy over there. Um, so cutting that short is, is a bold move. Um, I'm not going to say that it's not going to work or anything. So you know already because obviously we've seen that the Wagner is popular over there, but I don't think it's the move I would have I would have made. I think it's a pretty risky one. Uh, but I do hope that it, it works out for Noah because I'm a big fan of Wagner um, and I'm excited for him getting this opportunity is very cool for him. And you know seeing another Mexican world champion in Japan, like we say, is is an interesting one to see. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out and whether this whether this pays off in the long run for Noah. All right, folks. It's that time of the week. The beast of the week. <laughs> Jamie, kick us off. Yes. So, staying on the, on, on the topic of, of Mexican wrestlers, I'm going to take us over to Arena Mexico for uh, this past week's Super Viernes. And we had the final of let me get this right the, the la gran alternativa tournament mm. tag team tournament um and we had uh mystico and briante jr versus mascara dorada and neon um this match was fucking awesome <laughs> it was great <laughs> uh, obviously arena mexico particularly in the main events are always super fired up uh such an earlier there's always super lively crowds particularly when mystico is in there and of course mascara dorada has been kind of the revelation of the year for for cmll um, but my my beast of the week is Briante Junior. Um, him and Neon are two of the rising stars in CML right now. Mm-hmm. Neon has had a Briante's little bit more so much potential. I, I I see I see a lot of praise for Neon uh, creeping up, cropping up more and more and more. 
Um, but I think Briante Jr. was the star of this one. He was so um, exciting to follow. He had some crazy spots. There was one dive through the ropes where I don't even know how he did it, the way he rotated his body as he, as he, as he came with the momentum. Um, but he just felt like he belonged in there with the big stars of CM, the biggest stars of CMLL. Um, and I think he's got an incredibly bright future. So I'm now going to be following a lot closer, um, you know, as I continue to watch CMLL. So I think he had a really standout performance. Um, so I would highly recommend you go and check out that match. And uh, Briante Jr. is my beast of the week. I Jamie, really like you, that. Deck. This is a, really quickly. Do you, this is a genuine question, Jamie. Do you know who had the Briante Jr. Monaco before him? <laughs> Uh, I do not. I know. I know he's related to Andrade, but I don't know who had it before. Well, that's who it was, folks. It's uh, it was Andrade. He was when he uh. when he was Briante Junior for a while. Um. So yeah, obviously big uh big name to live up for the to live, mm-hmm. to live up to there. I think that's a great pick. Really great quickly, pick. are you guys fine with the duo of Gabe Kid and Ra being our collective peak? Any yes. any qualms with that? Go ahead. Awesome. Sweet. Uh, for me, uh, I am going to go with somebody. I use between the ropes, and I do think this guy is a beast between the ropes, but it's not really uh, why I'm picking him in this in this segment. It is for his conduct on Twitter and in other, in other uh, media, I'd say. And that is one McIntyre. Who has completely in to 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 really lend into mocking Sia as his gimmick, and it, because he was such a white meat for years in this company, and was barely ever even rewarded for it. Um, and, uh, uh, I uh, uh, I just think he's he's been so funny over the last week and i think that them leaning into it is completely the right choice um to get him to continue to get him over as a heel and i hope that his popularity gets him a a world title shot at mania uh, in some permutation which some people think might be a possibility you throw Sami Zayn in there and maybe even Mm -hmm. cody rhodes uh but uh murph murph what about you so my beast of the week this week isn't really because of what they did this week. Uh, you know, they did have a title defense this week, and the match was, you know, it was as good as it could get with their opponent. But this guy has been doing so well in this last month, these last two months, and he's really been a revelation for the promotion that he's in. And he's become the most popular uh, wrestler in the promotion that he is in. And he's elevated the title he is holding by making those matches feel so grand. Uh my Beast of the Week is someone who I never thought would be one of my favorite wrestlers in the world right now. My Beast of the Week is the Black Panther, the Big Brain, one the, the mouthpiece of the Big Hug, Yo, because Yo has been unbelievable in these last couple months. And I really just wanted to give Yo some, you know, respect. I mean, he pulled out three stars against Punch Tomonaga and fucking Wakayama. <laughs> I mean, this guy's on fire at how over he is. I mean, every... He's the most over guy on every Dragon Gate show right now, and that's really a testament to him. So uh, my beast week is yo. Uh, oh, Gabe Kidd, Hinare, Drew McIntyre, uh, Briante Jr., and Hyo are our beasts of the week this week. And, and, by, and by the uh, way, for the people noting, I, I'm not doing The Rock yet because, you know, we don't have plans. But if the Thursday press conference goes well, The yeah. Rock is in pole position for next Tuesday. 
Well, I'm thinking of one particular show that might be appropriate to make Dwayne the Rock Johnson the Beast of the Week. Yeah, um, we may have to. Uh, we may <laughs> we may have to wait for that. But anyway, uh, thank you so much for watching. We appreciate all of you for being here. I appreciate you letting me just sort of vent and 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 uh, and preach a little bit at the at the at, at the top. Uh, greatly appreciate those who have sent well wishes to y'all are the best. Uh, but we also talked a lot about stardom. We talked some New Japan. It was good stuff. Continue to be so many interesting and unique things happening in the world of Japanese pro wrestling uh, and lucha that uh, we love talking to you guys about it. So tune in next week. We'll be back. We'll be previewing some more stuff. We'll be reviewing, uh, hopefully, a show that had potentially three classics on it in New Japan. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you next time. Everybody, stay dumb. Bye.